As someone who is aspiring to be an artist of some kind, especially in this case, a comic book artist, one of the primary questions that is going to come up is how long is this going to take? How long does it actually take to get good? Now, I saw this question as a comment under one of my YouTube videos, actually. How long did it take me to get good at drawing comics? And I thought, look, that's kind of a tricky one to answer with any real clarity. But then I got thinking and I thought, look, there's actually some meat there. There's actually, I feel like, a lot of good stuff we can unpack there when we're discussing this idea of how long it takes to get good at something. It turns out that I am, in fact, a professional comic book artist. I've mostly worked within the French comic book industry. Here's the first book that I ever worked on, which was Seven Pirates, an unofficial sequel to Treasure Island. Here's an adaptation of Pinocchio that I created with David Chevelle. And here's a fantasy book called Ara that I conceived of, created, wrote, illustrated, drew, lettered, did absolutely everything on. And I don't normally talk about the projects that I'm currently working on because you never know how it's going to turn out. The future is uncertain, but currently I'm writing and drawing a series called Star Atlas Core. This is a project that is linked to a video game and the graphic novel here essentially acts as an official prequel to the game world. I'm also part of the writing team on that game project, so you could probably say I'm also official a professional writer as well. If I was thus inclined, I could also mention that I am an award-winning comic book creator. Here's a golden ledger from 2015 that I got for Pinocchio. And what I thought I'd do is try and share my story from going from someone who really sucked at drawing and storytelling and art and all of these things to getting to a point where, like, look, I, I am a professional doing it. I don't know necessarily how I feel about whether or not I'm good or not. I think that's, you know, something we'll discuss, and that's very much part of the artistic experience. But I think this is a really fun topic, and hopefully through me sharing my story, you can learn a little bit of information, and hopefully this will help you out on your journey, whether you want to become a comic book artist or any other type of artist. I think a lot of this information will be relevant no matter what you're really trying to do. Anyway, this should be a fun one, so let's jump in and get started. Welcome to the Visual Scholar Podcast. My name is Tim McBurney. I've been a professional working artist for over 20 years. And on this show, I'm all about demystifying the worlds of art, creativity, and productivity so that you can get better, faster, and enjoy your artistic journey. Okay, so this is obviously just a question of time, right? It takes a long time to get good at any of these skills that involve a high level of craft, and I think comics is obviously no exception. It involves a lot of multidisciplinary things. There's storytelling, there's the actual drafts personship, there's, you know, a huge variety of little things we do. For me, learning how to do lettering, how to do the, the balloons has been a major part of that craft, right? I think it's really, really important. For some people, less so, but Anyway, there's a huge variety of things here and it just takes time. I think that should be obvious. It's also worth mentioning that I think there's no one point at which personally me or anyone else I've ever spoken to comes to some realization that they are now good. I don't think that ever happens and that's maybe part of what I'm trying to sort of get across here. But that's something I've talked about before. Artists even who are really, really high up and you would consider them to be godlike in their skills, are often very humble. And I think that all artists who are trying to get better are trying to get better because that's what we've always been trying to do. We've never been quite happy with our work, and we're always trying to improve little things, you know, get 1% better every time we try to do something. That is what makes good artists. And I think what you find is the really good artists are still doing that. And it's a mentality that never dies. So whether or not you think you're good as an artist isn't necessarily the point, but I think there are actually a lot of key elements here, a lot of sort of markers along the timeline, let's say, from being completely suck to being, look, let's say you're kind of at least happy with how things are going. Um, 
there's a lot of points along the road there that I think we can really define as being points where you might feel differently about the work. And certainly I felt differently at certain points. And I think, again, the more we can appreciate the journey, the more we can maybe, you know, enjoy the little bits that come along. Because certainly I spent a lot of my journey being very frustrated, being very stressed, being very worried about not being professional, not being able to make it. Even when I was, you know, working on professional projects, I I often felt like I wasn't professional, I wasn't good enough, and that if I kind of messed anything up and I didn't put in 110 million, billion, trillion, quadrillion percent of my energy and soul and absolutely everything, that I'd probably mess this up and then no one would ever give me another job ever, ever again. And I kind of sat in that uh, sort of warm soup Um, of stress and anxiety for years as I worked on comic book projects. And again, I I think that maybe if I had learned a little bit more about other people's journey, that I'd be able to maybe appreciate those times a little bit better and maybe not just kind of sit there stressing out and freaking out. The real key to understand is that none of these things are an event. There's no point at which you are ever going to say, oh, I've arrived, I've gotten here. There's, you know, you can sign a contract for having a book published. You can have someone say it's good. There's nothing that's really going to make you think like, oh, I've arrived. This is the point at which uh, everything's going to be okay now. I'm good. Um, This is something that is a process. As I said, it's a journey. It's a continuum. And what I want to talk about are the steps that I really defined early on. So let's start that journey with the first sort of stage that I think is really important. But wait, just before we go there, what I want to do is just define something that I think is really, really important about comics specifically. And that's that comic books of any variety if you're do if you're cranking out 20 pages a week as a manga artist in Japan, if you're cranking out one page a week as a bon dessiné artist in France, or whether you're somewhere in the middle, like uh, a lot of the Western market exists somewhere in the middle, right? 20 pages a month, five pages a week, one page a day, somewhere in there. Doesn't matter where you are. The fact is that as comic book artists, we could probably always do better if we spent more time on the page, on the work. It is fundamentally an art of compromise, of doing the best that we can in a given time. Even when I had a week to draw a page in the French comic book industry, you know, I always felt like, look, if I had two weeks, I could make this really good. And there were other artists out there that I was essentially competing with who were idols of mine. Who did a lot better? Their one week turned into this like amazing thing. And if if you've seen any French comics or you're a fan of French comics, you you know what I'm talking about. Some of these pages are epic, right? And people are putting their they're really <laughs> squeezing every last second um, of that one week to create this kind of masterpiece of a page. And uh, again, you know, even if you're cranking out uh, three pages a day, if you're a manga artist or something like that, again, it's always the same thing. We could do better if we had more time. And there is a certain degree of frustration with being a comic book artist in that sense, where we could always be better if we had more time. So it's important to understand that just at the outset, that we're always striving to be better. But what you'll find is like, your ability to, you know, draw, to render, to create anatomy, to create scenes, to create good composition, to create good color, all of these things, we're always kind of doing them in a real run and gun fashion when we're doing comics. We're trying to sort of do the best we can in a given amount of time. And what I've always found is that like, I know I could kind of do better if I had more time in terms of drawing the anatomy, you know, getting my perspective right, really making that background look super epic, all of these things. Now, we always get better as artists, but, you know, I'd basically say if you were to do an illustration of a castle, let's say, as just an illustration, you had kind of an unlimited amount of time to do it, right? You imagine there's like a little sort of knight, right, coming up on a great grand vista in a medieval sort of fantasy land, and you see there's sort of rolling hills, there's, uh, you know, people working in the fields, and in the background there's this giant castle, if you have to do it as a comic, right, like 
you're always going to be limited. You're always going to be able to say, look, like this is the best I can do. You know, maybe it's not quite as epic. You don't get quite as much detail in there. You know, you're not sitting there putting every little blade of grass that you might if it was just an illustration or a cover. So it doesn't matter how good your skills get. What you tend to find is that you'd always be better if you got a little bit more time, right? And uh, again, I I know that's uh, sort of kind of obvious, but it's really important to understand and appreciate if you are working on comics or trying to understand like what this is like. We're always going to feel as if the pages we're creating are a little bit less than, you know, our sort of top level ability if we just kind of were able to put all the time in that, you know, we needed. Anyway, back to what I was saying. Let's break this down. The first real sort of stage that I guess I was trying to achieve that we can really sort of break this down into is how do we get good enough to become professional? How do we get good enough to spark the interest of a publisher or an editor and get someone else, a gatekeeper, let's say? But, you know, I think there's a there's a valid reason that we often seek these external validations is because it is a real qualification that like you've arrived, you've gotten to a certain point in your career where someone's going to pay you to do this. So that's the first stage. And there's, I think, five stages I have here noted down all up. So we'll sort of go through them. But to begin with, it, it sort of took me, I got my first job during the Seven Pirates unofficial sequel to Treasure Island, um, which was written by Pascal Berthaud in sort of 2005. It was due to come out in 2007. It was published in 2007. It was part of a big series. And I sort of got the email saying, hey, do you want to do this in 2005? And probably I had been drawing comics or thinking about it um, probably for 10 years before that. I remember when I would have been about yeah, kind of like 15, I think in about sort of 1995, 96, something like that, I, I would have been in high school drawing comics and convincing people to let me do comics as part of my sort of art class or something like that. And I remember drawing a comic then, and I remember being really interested in manga and comics before that. So that's probably a good range there, right? Before that, before I was in high school, I really wasn't thinking about drawing at all. I was never the one who was good at drawing. I think some people took a little bit of interest in my art, but certainly I would say it was, you know, most of my friends didn't think that I was a good enough artist to try and become a professional artist, right? There were many other artists at school who were better than me and were considered to be the talented ones, the chosen ones who, you know, were going to become artists. And again, you know, maybe I was sort of interested in it, but I really wasn't necessarily thinking of it as a career. I don't think I was thinking of anything as a career, but let's say again, it took me 10 years from drawing really sucky comics in high school to getting my first kind of like serious professional job. So that's not necessarily... Um, a good marker though, because it, it really wasn't until probably I, let, let's say probably five years before that, let's say, um, where I was really going, okay, I'm really going to try and do this as a career. And that's when, again, I sort of started to really try and work and go after the idea of, of working in comics. The reason that I sort of took so long and and, and I was sort of meandering is that it really was clear to me that there was no way on earth I was ever going to be a professional comic book artist because I lived in Australia. If you can tell from my accent, there's no local um, Australian comic book market. At the time, you got to remember there was no real way to work remotely. It was was only – I was kind of riding this wave of the ability to work remotely and work for – people in France and communicate with people in France via email. Before that, it was the, the idea of communicating with people online was very weird and very strange. So it, it was just kind of really too hard. So I was working on doing video games instead and I got a job in video games and I lost a job in video games and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I sort of started trying to think, look, let's have another go at being a comic book artist. And there's probably, again, five years there where I was really trying to think about it, but I wasn't probably working on it hard enough. It wasn't a serious goal. And I think 
that's where I really ran into a lot of trouble. I would say I definitely wasn't good enough to be a professional comic book artist until I'd been working on it for about four or five years, really, you know, sort of trying to improve my craft as an artist. But I think one of the big problems at that point was that I was really viewing it as a draftspersonship problem, right? I was saying, I need to get better at drawing. And I think the advice that I'm going to give you here is that the more you can actually just draw comics and get to actually drawing pages, the better things would be. So very early on, I was sort of saying when I was like 15, I draw a comic and try and make it part of my school art class thing. And I really didn't have that fear, but I didn't also get a good response from people. So I felt like this was not good. It was obviously not nowhere near professional level. It was kind of crappy. No one liked it. No one really gave me any sort of good feedback. And I think that's where it's so important to understand how these things can affect our progress because it, you know, it was one of these things where I probably gave up doing that. I kind of enjoyed doing it. And I was just kind of in that mode where you just sort of do stuff. And I wasn't really thinking about how crap it was, um, but I was kind of excited about it, right? I had passion for it. And I kind of lost that again because no one else seemed, seemed interested and it seemed like such a long shot. And then I really worked on drawing and trying to get better at drawing. And I would say I got good enough at coloring to get close to being a professional comic book colorist around that time. And I was really thinking about maybe becoming a professional comic book artist in the very early 2000s because that seemed like something that was feasible. Now, I would also say that when I first got that project in 2005 to draw The Seven Pirates, um, I probably wasn't really good enough at that point either. I really struggled. That's probably the story for another day. But I tried maybe two or three other projects that were a false start where I was thinking, look, I'm good enough to do this. I, I'm passionate about it. I'm excited about it enough. Um, you know, I'd been a professional low-level texture artist. I knew, you know, some things about illustration, but my work wasn't really good enough. I was trying to become a comic book artist and I was trying to put these pages together. And I would say I had, yeah, sort of two or three really solid shots at it where I teamed up with a writer I was trying to get something going and what you tend to find when you're in this space where you're going from like, look, complete suckage to oh, finally someone's paying me to do this and I've been approved by the, the the sort of commercial art gods, right? The professionals that that I'm actually, you know, viable um, is that typically what I found in that space was I'd get contacted by a lot of, you know, other amateur writers and we'd be wanting to find people to collaborate on, on short stories or pitches. So I worked on quite a few pitches over that time where, and a pitch is essentially just where, you know, you kind of have a story, a couple of pages, some character designs, and you're trying to pitch it to a publisher. So I'd probably say that I worked on quite a number of those and none of them went anywhere. And in most cases, um, it, it sort of fizzled out because everyone kind of lost energy on it. And I really didn't know how I was going to draw these pages. So I'd sort of try and draw the page and then I'd sort of think about, oh, I'm not quite sure what style I want to use. This isn't quite working. I'm not quite sure. Maybe I need to like go back and learn my anatomy. And I was just sort of oscillating, not actually digging in there and, and learning through doing. I also got to the point where, again, I got more advanced and I did some sample pages and everyone was sort of excited about everything until we actually saw the finished pages. And then people, the people I was working with kind of hated it, right? And they were like, this is literally complete garbage, right? We hate it. This is not professional level. And uh, again, all of those things were very sort of tough, right? So it's not necessarily that this was just, oh, me sort of sitting there working in my basement for, um, you know, five years on this. And then finally I got a, a sort of a comic book gig, right? A professional uh, job. It's that there were many false starts. And at each point of that, I really thought like, look, this is it. I'm going to be able to do this. I have this kind of style that I have in mind. And as is often typical at the time, I was like, oh, it's kind of sketchy, but I'm going to make sketchy work, right? And, and I think I've spoken about a lot that 
the real problem with that was that I didn't have my drawing developed enough. I didn't have a good understanding of secondary form. So my work was kind of vague and sketchy, not in a good way. And I'd be looking at other artists who were sketchy, like one of my favorite artists is the manga artist, uh, Hurokai Sumura, who draws Blade of the Immortal, and his work is super sketchy, right? And a lot of manga is kind of a little bit rougher. And, you know, I'd always be really fond of these types of artists who had a lot of energy in their work. But again, what I didn't understand is that you need to be able to draw anyway, and then you can kind of sketch it in and do it quickly, whereas I just kind of didn't really know how to draw well enough. So anyway, this is like a fairly amorphous stream of consciousness, but I'm trying to give a give a sort of feel for how time, how things were and how long that kind of felt it was going to take. Um, it was about sort of five years. And I'd say that I kind of knew that I really wanted to do this. And I really felt at many times that I was going to create these pages and they were going to be good enough. But I think one of the biggest problems is I was sort of looking for external validation. I was looking for a publisher or someone else to kind of say, yes, this is good. And also, I think that there's a lot of energy that is kind of lost in those early years by not just kind of creating a project and doing it um, myself, which is, again, what I normally recommend people do now. It's just like draw your comic, do it yourself, figure out the craft, understand that in those early days, this is what I learned through doing that first project, the first few pages on the Seven Pirates thing is they sucked. And the publisher was basically like, this is not good enough. We're not going to sign you, but you can have another go at doing a page and see if you can make one that doesn't suck. And that was a long process, right? And it had to be done in a certain um, time frame. And I think, again, for me, the, the bottom line there is it, it sort of took me about five years to get to a point where like, look, I was kind of drawing, like no one really thought much of what I was doing. Um, you know, I was kind of in that sort of semi-pro level of quality. Maybe these days, again, it's the sort of thing where I could do some commissions, I could do this stuff, but no one was really giving me like big projects, big illustration jobs at that point in time. It was small work. I wasn't making any money at all. And then finally, again, I sort of got these sort of professional comic book gigs. And what happened is, again, I had to learn on the job and really figure that out. So what tends to happen when you are working on comics is that there's so many of these different skills working together. There's the drawing, the storytelling, there's the panel layouts, there's working with another individual who's writing it, right? There's a, there's a creative process there. And there's just a lot of stuff that kind of needs to get sorted out for you to be able to put power to the ground and actually get your drawing, your craft, your emotion, all of these things onto the page. So again, that's a big part of what I want to talk about in our, uh, throughout the rest of this episode is just like what that process is like and how important it is to just draw the actual page and not necessarily view it as like, oh, my figures are sucking because I don't know anatomy. It's like, yes, they might be sucking because you don't know your anatomy, but also they suck because you're trying to draw comics and comics makes drawing anatomy hard because you're no longer just kind of able to draw these sort of amorphous figures floating around. You got to draw this figure at this scale in this place. And that's a new challenge. And it's making all of your weaknesses kind of come back up. So there's a lot of these different elements there, but Really, again, it probably took me about five years to get from like, eh, look, you know, I, I'm kind of like average um, to getting to the point where someone actually gave me a professional job, signed a contract and started drawing an actual thing that was going to get printed. So that's a long rambling um, sort of introduction into, into that sort of first answer, right? Like how long did it take me to get there? The second thing that I think is really important to understand is what my emotional state or my assessment of whether or not I was good, what that was like over that period of time and how that changed. Because I think that's a fundamental part of how I think we can consider this idea of like, am I good or not? So as I said, early on, I was really trying to figure out style. And I think that was my major sort of concern was like, what style do I have? And I know that's something that occupies us for ages, especially early on. What's my voice as an artist? All of these questions. The thing that 
again, is interesting is even after I got my professional job, I didn't feel like I was professional and it took me a long time to get to a good point with those feelings of kind of adequacy, right? And I think that's important to note just because someone does come along and say like, hey, you're good enough to do this doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to feel as if that's the case. There's a major, major dose of imposter syndrome that can often crop up, right? I think often as artists, we tend to be slightly more sensitive um, as, a, as a general rule. We're going to tend to be, you know, like a little bit more open to positive emotions and, and negative emotions in that sense. I think it's often what allows us to create characters and scenarios and, and inject emotion into our work is we're kind of open. Um, we don't have a lot of defenses there because we're trying to explore that with the work. So we're, especially when people are critiquing the work, um, you know, it, it, it can be very sort of brutal and hard to know what that's like. So it took me a long time to get to a point where I felt like, oh, okay, I've sort of figured this out. So at the end of drawing the Seven Pirates book, I kind of felt like I had a lot of things under control. I had the general process under control. I could kind of get the characters to be looking the same. One of the things, though, was that I was drawing those pages using someone else's storyboard because one of the parts of that process and one of the ways that they kind of got me to do it and, and I got the other, the other elements of the publisher to, to sign on was that uh, Jerome Leculi did the storyboards and he was a um, he's a very, very, very skilled, talented old hand at a comic book. So I think at that point he had illustrated like 20 books or something like that. And he's a really, really good artist. So what they did is they said, we're going to storyboard the entire book of Seven Pirates, right? And you can then re-storyboard it if you want. But if we don't like your storyboards, then we can always come back to these ones that Jerome has done. And I think I was really keen to get my own storytelling on board. Um, and what actually ended up happening is I sort of got this um, amazing education in French comic book storytelling because I sort of ended up just following his storyboards quite closely. And that was a really good way for me to sort of work on my craft of drawing because he would kind of hand me these like different angles and different things that I had to draw. And I changed some of them. But what I kind of ended up doing was really learning from him how to do storytelling from a French comic book um, perspective. Because people often ask me like, you know, how did you get a job drawing French comics if you're in, um, you know, sort of Australia and you don't speak French? Um, and uh, yeah, to, to this day, probably the best my, my French can be is uh, no parler français, which basically says I don't speak French. Um, and that served me quite well. Now, a big part of this is understanding the French comic book style and the storytelling that they have and the expectation that the audience would have over there for how a page should be laid out. It's very different to the American style very different to the sort of Japanese manga style in general. Mostly it's different to the American Western comic book style. I would say though, we don't have big splash pages. We don't have, you know, like uh, here's like uh, Captain America or something, you know, just kind of being one, one panel per page and he's a badass and he's giving you some one liner. You just kind of don't have that. Um, we have more panels per page. Um, you know, anywhere from, you know, sort of seven to 14 panels a page, right? So sometimes I'd get these pages where it really taught me through following Jerome's storyboards to understand how to compress a lot of panels onto a page. And there's a lot of tricks that the French um, sort of artists tend to employ to compress all of the storytelling they need into those kind of simple books. So anyway, there's a lot of these things where I was kind of like learning through doing stuff um, with uh, Jerome's storyboards and learning how the French comic book system worked. And mostly I was just kind of getting my drawing craft to, to work. And, and, and I think, again, this is a good example of how, you know, those first jobs that we work on are a little bit messy. And I was very lucky to just have someone who was kind of willing to understand what my weaknesses were, what my strengths were. And I found that a lot of the time, 
the French system and the French editors or publishers, as they are called, because often in in the Western um, lexicon, uh, a publisher is like the the kind of publishing house that that publishes the book, and the editor is the person that works with the artist, right? It's an actual physical person. So, like in in, in America, the the publisher is the company, and the editor is the person who works with the artist. It's the other way in in France. The editor is the is the big company and the publisher is like the person who you talk to, right? Who kind of gives you the assignments, let's say. So again, I was really lucky to have someone there who was willing to work with me. And to this day, I have no idea why they were willing to work with me, what they saw in my work. But maybe again, that's one of those things where at that point I had gotten good enough at something to you know, incentivize someone to work with me to get this thing done. And uh, again, you know, that's one of those things where it's often those first jobs we get are a mix of luck and serendipity and all of these things mixed in together. But either way, at that point, I felt like I had some things under control, but I still didn't feel like I was good because I didn't have my own storytelling voice. I had been following uh, Jerome's storyboards and Again, I felt like I learned so much on that one project. I went from basically being completely incompetent at drawing comic book pages, right? I could kind of do it, but I really didn't sort of know what I was doing and it felt very stressful. So the emotional state at the start of that project was like, oh my God, I'm not a professional. Um, I'm just skating on this. I'm one panel, I'm one page, I'm one deadline away from being kicked out of this thing because that had happened many times before where I'd had these false starts, working with someone on a project, working with someone on a, um, a pitch or something, and then it all goes pear-shaped again, you know, like I lose interest or they lose interest. It's very tricky when there's no money and real sort of solid outcome on the table to, to kind of maintain uh, emotion um, on those sort of pitches and stuff over time. And uh, yeah, you know, I just kind of was really struggling to get that professional look down. And in the end, I was probably a lot closer all along than I thought. What I needed was that push and that crucible of pressure, um, that kind of like, you know, it's the it's the M&M eight mile, you've got one shot to do this kind of thing, right? It's like put up or shut up. And, um, you know, I, I kind of came out the end of that. I stressed out a lot, but I kind of figured out a lot of things along that journey. But again, it's important to understand that for me, and I think probably for you, if this is something you're aspiring to, the internal dialogue of whether or not you're good is probably more important than the external one because, Again, you know, it really doesn't matter whether you're professional or whether you've gotten something published. The real question is like, did you do a good enough job at it to get another book, right? Did you please your editor? Did you work well? Were you a good collaborator? And again, that's a big part of what good meant to me was not just kind of could I draw a page? It was like, well, was it good enough? Did people like it? Was I actually going to get another book? It turns out I did get another book, but that was a huge struggle as well. And there's a number of reasons it was a struggle. And this really also talks to this third point that I want to sort of get across, which is like, again, there's the question of can we do it? Can we get published? Can we get to that stage? And, you know, can we maybe get to a point where, look, we can create the work and feel good about it, right? We feel some competency, like this is a job that we do. We understand it fully. The next thing that I was really struggling with was, am I kind of limiting my creative output because of my limited sort of drawing slash storytelling skill set? So the interesting thing with comics is that typically people tend to work in a fairly narrow genre storytelling frame. And this is based very much on their own interest, their own drawing abilities, and the specific, you know, market or medium that they're working in. So what you tend to find is that the skill sets that, you know, sort of Japanese slash Western slash European artists have are, are pretty different in terms of what they focus on. Um, there's a much more focus and requirement to draw anatomy. If you want to draw superhero comics, for instance, you need to be able to draw big action poses, people fighting, people punching each other in the face. 
um, you know, frequently you could say with, um, you know, manga, you need to be able to really communicate a lot of emotion with faces. You need to be able to draw action scenes, but it's a little bit less about drawing, you know, anatomy and these kind of solid characters. It's more about creating scenes, creating emotion, creating storytelling and pacing through, you know, separate panel transitions. Um, and again, there's plenty of European, French, uh, bon dessinée artists who don't draw any anatomy at all, right? They just have very cartoony styles and uh, very naive drawing styles, and they're very popular, right? So again, there's different expectations put upon us from a technical point of view. Now, for me, one of the things that I really wanted to do with this next project to feel like I was good was write my own story because that's something I'd always wanted to do. And I wanted to storyboard it myself because that's something I hadn't been able to do. So it wasn't real, even though I was published, I wasn't a real artist yet because I hadn't storyboarded my own story. And, and that's kind of important. That's kind of the whole point of comics really. And also my backgrounds really sucked. And I wanted to make sure that I could create something that I would be able to do good backgrounds on. So I had this Ara fantasy book that I, I ended up sort of getting published, and, and the the story for how that happened is um, is is a giant mess, as are all of these things, right? Because um, I kind of got jammed just in the the GFC financial collapse of kind of 2008, where all of a sudden it was like, yeah, we're going to publish these things, and then like no one's publishing anything because everyone's freaking out because the market's collapsing. So I kind of got jammed there. Um, eventually, it sort of came out. Um, but yeah, what I felt is I storyboarded that book and I felt like, okay, I have, I don't know whether it's good, but I kind of, am trying to figure out a storytelling language that kind of works for me and the stories that I have. But again, I felt like one of the things I did in that Ara book, it's a fantasy book with a, you know, sort of girl, um, with an eye patch, uh, very sort of stereotypical story, right? It's not that creative in terms of the general idea. Um, but I think, again, one of the things that happened with that is that I decided I was going to set it in one setting because I had creative control. It was going to be in a forest. So all I had to learn to draw were trees. And I think that served me well, um, again, because I didn't set it in a city where I had to draw a lot of backgrounds. But the point there is that at that stage, I felt like, again, I was a professional comic book artist. I'd gotten my second project up and running, right? It was kind of all working. Um, but I really felt at the end of that, that I was severely limited in my creative choices. And I knew I that my ability to draw lots of things, like my visual library, was limiting my creative options. So even though I was able to get these projects going... They were very much based on, again, a little bit of luck. Someone else kind of planning a lot of those backgrounds when I was drawing Seven Pirates. And then when I was drawing my Ara comic, um, it was me kind of cheating and saying like, look, I can only draw trees. This means I don't need to draw perspective. This means I don't need to figure out all these things. So that was one of the situations where, again, everyone would imagine, oh, you should be feeling great about this. You're a professional artist. But I didn't really feel like I was good. I still had that imposter syndrome because, you know, I knew that I'd really struggle if I needed to draw my Ara character in a giant kind of city. Now, part of my plan for this was, again, to control these things and maybe make each subsequent Ara book, um, you know, in a different setting. I want to be in a desert. And then maybe then when I could get the courage to draw a, you know, a city, I'd set one in a city, right? So I kind of had control of that. It's important to understand that a lot of people do control their comics this way. There's a lot of instances where people, if you kind of took one artist, one creative team, and you kind of plonked them in a different genre, um, they'd really suffer. I, I think that's sort of something that's super important to understand is that often we find the right creative frequency for our work where we have an audience for us creating stuff in a particular genre, a particular thing, our visual library in that genre grows. Um, and again, we kind of have a, a comfort level there that allows us to create stuff. But that doesn't necessarily mean, again, you're always going to be able to take someone who is able to draw, again, a, a powdered wig pirate comic like Seven Pirates and then say, okay, let's draw sci-fi. So one of the things you notice is that the projects I've taken on 
have been purposefully kind of chosen after that point to stretch my abilities. And this is where what I was really chasing as I took on the third project, um, the Pinocchio adaptation, I was really chasing a book that would challenge my abilities and allow me to finally become a complete comic book artist to properly become good. With Pinocchio, Pinocchio is a really interesting story. And, and I think um, one of the it's interesting that one of the reasons we actually got that project greenlit, I think, if memory serves me correctly, was because there was a huge variety of movie adaptations that were going to come out. And I think what a lot of publishers will do is they make decisions based on things like this. So, for instance, when there is like an Alice in Wonderland movie that comes out, um, all of the Alice in Wonderland uh, sort of comics will get a little bump in sales. So it's advantageous for a publisher to have a variety of adaptations of maybe these sort of public domain works because when a whole bunch of movies come out, they'll sell a few copies. And it's these decisions for a, a, a company, the big sort of publishing company. Again, I'm using publisher in the Western sense. It just makes good sense for them to do that. So there was a whole bunch of these Pinocchio movies that actually didn't come out until very recently. So Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio recently came out. Um, and I think there's a, there was a Disney one that sort of uh, came out. And there was actually a whole bunch of other um, Disney films, sorry, Pinocchio films that were sort of destined to come out. So that's kind of how we got that one across the line. But it's a very complicated story. It changes and um, like every page, something new happens. It's in a new scenario. There's new characters. There's new things. And what you find is actually fiction of that era tended to have that quality. A lot of these epic poems and these sort of stories from, you know, sort of before, um, you know, publishing really sort of got going right at the very beginning of it. It really was about people adventuring and going to different places because no one could do that, you know, like to, to, to adventure across the world was something like amazing that no one got to do, to go to different places, to travel. If you're living in, you know, a village in Italy somewhere, um, you know, you don't necessarily get to travel everywhere. It would take you, you know, years potentially to, to go to different places. So it's one of these older stories that is very much about going to different places. There's new characters all the time often those characters don't appear anywhere else. And it was a huge book. I think it was uh, sort of 78 pages or so, so quite big for a French book. Normally French books are about 46 pages. Anyway, what's also maybe not 100% clear and I haven't sort of talked about is that the Pinocchio Disney film and uh, specifically the concept work by Gustav Tenegren, uh, I think I'm pronouncing his name right, um, is like some of my sort of key inspirational art. And I've always thought that those illustrations were just perfect. So I had a lot of passion for this project and I wanted to make it a little bit different. I didn't want to sort of copy the Disney Pinocchio thing. We very much faithfully adapted the book. And uh, what I got from doing that was just a huge opportunity to practice drawing backgrounds, designing different characters, and really working on my working on, again, a good combination of my storytelling and European storytelling, like the French uh, typical sort of page layout and composition. Because this was a book that was uh, written by David Chauvel, who is also my editor. He's the editor who worked with me on, on Seven Pirates, which was written by Pascal Berthaud. And David Chauvel just had this as something he'd been wanting to do. And I was like, look, let's do it, because this is something that will allow me to become a you know, sort of better artist. So again, it's important to understand that the, the R book that I wanted to do, I wanted to have more fantasy books set in the same world, same character. That didn't end up happening, um, again, for a huge, uh, there's another story for another time. So I kind of ended up doing this Pinocchio book. And it really was at the end of that book that I felt like, okay, I can kind of do this now. So that was, that book came out in 2014. I think we started it in, would have been 2011 or something like that. So it took me a long time to do it. Um, and I was working on other things at the same time, other freelance projects, some um, concept design work. And it really was not until that book was done, which was 10 years later, essentially, for me starting to work as a professional, that I kind of felt like, okay, I've got this. 
So important to understand that there's a couple of things there, right? Is like I have not drawn a huge variety of books. I haven't sort of done a book a year. Um, it took me a long, lot longer to do those. And there's a variety of reasons for that, essentially. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the the bottom line is it took me a long time and it really was a matter of trying to understand like what would make me feel good, what would make me feel like a real comic book artist. And it really wasn't until I'd sort of finished Pinocchio and at that time I really did a, a second sort of delving into foundation and perspective and really understanding like, look, I got to draw all these backgrounds. I want to make them good. I, I want to kind of really work on my craft for this project. So yeah, I really doubled down and went back to the drawing board, <laughs> metaphorically, no pun intended, um, for my artistic craft. And I, I sort of relearned a lot of stuff, a lot of anatomy, a lot of sort of shape design stuff. I, I really kind of understood that you know, I'd been skimping on that stuff. So again, hopefully that gives you an idea as well, the degree to which there really is no point at which I sort of sat there and said like, oh, now I'm good, right? Um, but what changed after I did the Pinocchio project was I felt a sense of confidence that like, look, whatever project I take on, I'll probably be able to figure it out. I understand how to do all of the basic requirements of this craft like storytelling um i felt like i had a pretty good understanding of the you know different types of storytelling and how how that would kind of work um i was able to compress things in the french style i was able to draw these big pages try and you know put the effort in get them looking as good as i could i was also experimenting with a lot of different styles right i had this kind of painted background style that was fairly unique um at the time so there's lots of things there that I was doing, but it really wasn't until that, um, you know, which is kind of a long time after I started. If I started in, you know, somewhere around 1995, and then it was really only 20 years later that I got to a point where I'm like, okay, I got this figured out. So again, that may be a little bit disheartening if you're sitting there saying like, oh man, it took you so long to, to get good. But again, this is why it's important to understand what your internal version of good is and maybe what like other people might consider you like do, do other people think you're good does a is someone willing to pay you to do this these are all very very different questions all right so lastly i want to share as i normally do some takeaways so that you can actually get some advice that might be actionable or help you to understand and contextualize all of this stuff into some more functional pieces of information the first frame that I think is always good to think about is from an analytical standpoint, how can we kind of process this information? So for me, the real takeaway analytically is that comic books kind of take up a huge variety of skills. This is It's, it's one of these things where the thing we're doing is drawing comic book pages, but there's not just one skill there. Often what we're dealing with is, again, draftspersonship, right? How good is your drawing? How good is your foundation? How well are you able to kind of get the emotion across with your characters? There's the drawing aspect of it. There's also the storytelling aspect of it where you have to think about not just kind of how am I writing, whatever, but even if you're just an artist, you have to understand how to visually tell stories. And that's a huge skill unto itself. Another area where you have style, you have all of these same elements that you would think about from a, a drawing aspect. They're also going to be just as tricky and just as challenging from the craft of storytelling. As I said, it, it's, it's an issue where style is overlaid onto all of those elements, all of the elements here. Your storytelling, your you know story writing, if that's what you're doing, your art, there's craft, right, where you understand like, oh, this is how we kind of block in a shot. Here's all the stupid stuff we don't do so that people get confused. Um, here are all the conventions. This is kind of how they do it in Japan. This is how they story tell over here. There's a lot of craft there. The question is often how do you interact with that craft? What is your stylistic vision, right? What do you have to say? How is what you're going to do with that story different to what someone else would do? And these are all elements that we will kind of struggle with, right? That need a lot of attention. And it's not just that. Another major element that you, could, you, that you need to deal with when you come to draw comics is the idea of vision. So often it's a matter of having an image for how 
a story is going to play out and being able to get that down onto the page. And I think it's also important to really understand that the comic book page and someone's experience of it is the gestalt, the entire collection of all of those elements kind of crammed and put together into this single work. So it's kind of an endeavor that is unlike anything else because, again, you can potentially be really good at the craft of drawing. doesn't mean you're a good comic book artist. You find a lot of people who are very, very popular. And I think this is one of the things that you see with manga most is that everyone kind of, um, you know, has a go at the quality of the art. All oh, the art's simpler. All oh, the art's this. Or like, oh, it's easier to draw manga. It's like, none of that is true. And I think most people who criticize manga just don't understand that what people care about is story and characters and the emotion involved in all of those things and the fact that the gestalt of this experience reading it is really good. The sum is so much greater than its parts, and that's really what's often important and key with comics. You can have a really high level of craft, but no one cares at all. They don't give a single you-know-what because they're not engaged with the story. It's not coming across. There's no vision. There's no personality. There's no artistic intent. And I think it's hard for a lot of people to understand that there is vision and artistic intent in Naruto. Right? They're like, oh, it's just a silly thing about like not one of these like, you know, shonen comics. It's like, no, no, no. There's a lot of stuff there that really resonates with the audience. Um, and again, that's one of the really key things about comics. You know, people also criticize someone like Rob Liefeld, you know, a famous, um, you know, sort of American comic book artist who, if again, if you know who Rob Liefeld is, you know, who Rob Liefeld is, if you don't, um, he's the guy who kind of created Deadpool. He's a real character, super interesting guy to kind of listen to, but everyone kind of just gave this guy an unlimited amount of crap for his art style. But the thing is that that kind of immature, um, you know, style that he had where, you know, he, his anatomy maybe wasn't the best, um, you know, but he resonated with the 12-year-old male mind, right? And a lot of aggression and sort of over-the-top stuff. But again, it connected with an audience. The, you know, the the... the the final result was much, much better than, you know, all of the different parts, right? Um, and I think that's so important to understand with comics, with, with comics is that we're putting together a huge variety of different little things and it's the way you mix them that makes it good or not. And the real trick there is to understand that you kind of have to get in there. You have to get your hands dirty. You have to understand how all these different things relate. Um, and I think one of the mistakes I made that is very easy to see is, again, I didn't do that enough and I viewed all these separate parts as separate. And again, I think it's just important to dig in and understand at an analytical level that comics is a huge variety of things all put together. And the secret source that will make you good is not necessarily always that your anatomy is perfect or your storytelling is perfect. It's that you kind of put them all together in an interesting way. If you want the bro simple version of this, it's basically what I just said. Just draw, just try and get to the point where you're drawing the pages. And a lot of these other things, whether you're good or not, will take care of themselves. You do need to see how people are receiving the work that you're creating. And again, it doesn't matter how good your anatomy is. It's only a matter of does someone who reads your comic like it? Do they want to know what happens next? Are they engaged? Are they feeling the emotion that you're putting into the page? Nothing else is really going to matter. And all you have to think about is... Am I good? Um, only insofar as you're putting together the gestalt of all of these different elements and making that better. Now, if you want some serious kind of takeaways, like things that you can do now or really kind of focus on, I'd say the number one thing is to understand with comics that, again, it is a different set of skills. It's important to track them differently, to appreciate them differently, to try to improve on them differently. But as I keep saying, the most important thing is that you kind of put them all together and practice them mostly together in like you know in in one big sort of page, right? Because that's really the thing that's going to move the needle. But again, you know, you can often be really close to being good or at a professional level, but you know something will be off, and it's really just a matter of understanding what that will be, and also understand the audience that you're trying to reach, right? Some people are going to care more about some things than others. Uh, some genres, some mediums, some industries, different cultures, different countries are going to care about different things. And it's so important to understand that 
there really is no sort of ultimate uber artist, right? Someone who can draw everything, can draw manga, Western comics, French comics, right? You're always going to be somewhat limited by the choices you make creatively. And um, again, that's why it doesn't matter how much craft you have. A lot of it is how good you are at putting all these things together. I think it's really worthwhile doing the challenges like the 24-hour comic book challenge where you kind of just have to crank and create something because this gets you used to producing the work and just kind of doing it and understanding, as I said right in the beginning, that this is a compromised medium. They'll always kind of suck and it hurts to make pages and stuff that kind of sucks a little bit. But I think that's kind of the beauty of comics. And again, understanding all these things can be very clarifying um, through doing those challenges and just saying like, look, I'm going to create a page. It's going to happen, you know, in the next three hours and you just got to kind of do what you need to do. I think that's a really good way to kind of dust out the cobwebs and understand like, look, all the things that I know, all the craft, the drawing, the storytelling, the books I read, all that stuff, none of it matters if you can't put that power to the ground in a certain time frame. And I think it can be just really useful to try and keep doing that, keep hitting your head against the wall until something starts to happen. Um, and I think genuinely stuff will start to happen if you actually just sort of do it. The key takeaway for are you good is to figure out what you want to do because you're never going to be everything to everyone. Every comic book artist is going to be suited to different projects. I think you need to inject a lot of yourself into your style, your storytelling to make it in this industry, quite honestly. And I think the more you do that, the better you're going to get and the better you're going to feel. But again, a lot of that does require you to really focus and figure out what do you want out of comics? What storytelling? What style? What level of craft? What industry? Who are you trying to reach? You don't need to reach everyone. You don't need to do everything. You just need to figure out how to get good at one particular style of thing. And as long as that's optimized and you can get people interested in it, then nothing else really matters. If we look at all of this stuff from more of a philosophical or spiritual level, again, we don't need to get too deep here. This is a pretty simple thing. But it is important to understand that from my experience and the way I really do feel about comics is that they are the ninth art. This is something that is often mentioned and they are a very unique medium, a very unique thing. You will learn a huge variety of skills that can be very applicable to other industries. Understanding how to draw backgrounds, how to draw characters, how to motivate and interest an audience, how to keep people coming back, how to keep people turning the page, you know, focusing on the dramatic question at play, you know, as I said, drawing backgrounds, drawing characters, drawing different things, different angles, storytelling. You can apply lots of these skills to many other different industries. And I think often what we find is that, you know, people do move between industries sometimes. So, I think as a thing to teach you how to draw, comics can be really useful. It's certainly what I kind of used to force me to figure out how to draw, to become professional. It was the requirements of this task that kind of made me do it, made me become good at drawing backgrounds, even though I started out being really, really bad at backgrounds, right? Non-existent at backgrounds. But I think that it is something worth pursuing. Uh, I think it always gives someone the ability to, to create a visual narrative that is of a single author, a single voice. I don't think there's any other way currently where you can have a single individual be an author of a visual narrative thing. Um, you know, and I think that's something special that will persist for a while, although it always seems like comics get a bit of a, a bit of a bum rap, right, in general, that they're never as popular as they probably should be. Um, but I think maybe that'll change um, soon, right? When again, people start to appreciate the power of that, of having a, a single sort of author um, saying something. And I think it's often these aspects that interest people in things like manga. This is why, again, you know, there is so much interest in these stories that people tell when you do have a single author being an author and telling a story and connecting with the reader. Uh, I think it often takes people by surprise in a lot of these industries that like, yeah, kids are interested in that. People want to read manga. People want to read, um, you know, books like Smile and all of these kind of like modern, um, you know, sort of Western, um, you know, young adult 
um, sort of comics and things that are really, really popular. Uh, again, it's because you're feeling a human through that process, through that creative process. And I think, uh, yeah, you can't really go wrong drawing comics. All right, that's all I've got for this one. Let me know how this stream of consciousness rambling about my feelings about comics and whether I am adequate or inadequate, good or not, was helpful to you. Hopefully through, again, being a little bit more informal, um, going down some of these rabbit holes and just kind of sharing my thoughts and experience with, with this idea, we've managed to try and answer that question, right? How long does it take to get good? Hopefully, anyway, let me know in the comments if you're listening on YouTube, send me an email, get in touch. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, and again, any follow-up questions or you know little things like this that you'd like to hear, let me know. Um, I read all the comments. I super appreciate everyone who puts the time into liking, subscribing, um, leaving a review on podcast platforms, etc. It helps out the show so much. So if you have time to do that, please do that. As I said, I love to hear what everyone thinks about these things, whether or not they're useful. Anyway, keep drawing comics, keep creating, keep trying to get good at whatever you are trying to get good at, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye.